Welcome to Brokers and Booze. My name is Chris Ward with Eagle Realty. I got with me as always Billy H with Sands Realty and Nick Sowers with Beach Connection Realty. We are in a brand new year. Welcome to 2021. I feel like it's like our third season or maybe our second and a half season because we only did a couple episodes at the end of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Did a full 2020 and we are back for 2021, whatever it may bring. And of course, oh, good. You want something to say? No, no we're going to keep going. Um, so we're going to start off the year, even though we did the champagne episode. So if you saw our New Year's, we did kick off the year with with a little champagne, but today, Mr. Yates, what are we drinking? Chris, today we are drinking, it's called Purity Vodka 51. Uh, the reason it's called 51, oddly enough, it's distilled 51 times, Wow, which is kind of uh, absurd. Is that a lot? Uh, well, typical is about three, and uh, a lot of connoisseurs <laughs> will tell you anything over that. Kind of just pulls out all the taste, the flavors. So it's so, just, it becomes pointless. So, so but what, what's the vodka you normally drink? Platinum. Well, how many is that times? Seven. Seven. Okay. Seven, Seven. One more than Tito's. One more. Tito's is only six? Yeah, and okay. three less than Deep Eddie. And this is 51. So what? <laughs> so so I wonder what happens past 40 that makes it I better. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even, it sounds like past 15, 20, 20 I mean, like between 20 and 50, what are we doing? And they had to go 51 to go one over. So all of our vodka listeners, if you are a vodka connoisseur and you listen to our podcast, I'm really interested on like what the yeah what you've had. You just named like four vodkas that are all in the below 12 ish. Yeah, right. So, I thought, you know, or a distill, or somebody that actually does distilling. distilling like maybe yeah. you can talk to us and give us some, uh, you know. Yeah, because I know every bonus. every company kind of distills different and they'll, they'll call it a distillation time versus, you know, one cast to the other. Um, I can't imagine how long that takes or or why, why anyone would want to do it. But it's a good number. They've got a, over 150 medals, so they're doing something right. And it's organic. It's organic. <laughs> so and from Sweden. I'm, I'm re- and from Sweden. From Sweden. 40% alcohol. Is yeah. Sweden better than Polish vodka? We're about to find we out. We are about to find out because <laughs> if you've listened to any of our other episodes, we have reviewed Polish vodka. And um, Russian, right, Russian vodka. vodka. Absolutely. And, and American vodka. And have we done TV? Yeah. yeah. Oh, did the Betty. That's the Betty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, boys. Well, let's put them up. Cheers. Let's taste it. See what we're working with here. 51 times. Mm. Can I get the smell? <laughs> I mean, it smells, smells, yeah, it's it not like clear. It's, it's not strong. Like water. It you can smell beer. Oh. Hmm. Not the worst. I mean, not like a huge burn on the way down. No, there's no, there's maybe definitely not any. Maybe that's the distilled part. Yeah, they take the burn out on the. But on there's the definitely first. <laughs> there's definitely flavor on the on the front. Like remember that uh, was the the upta that we had that was like why? Like, yeah. There's no flavor, yeah. No, yeah. no nothing. That was dangerous. Yeah, this is. I mean, I, you can. There's yeah, still there's flavor. flavor. There is definitely flavor to this. It's it's tasty actually. It. Um, I like I like that there's no burning. Uh, it's strong there's no burn. There's it's almost burn. creamy. Yeah. Ooh. 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 Almost w. like <laughs> a little cream soda. Ooh. Without the soda. Without the fizzy. <laughs> it's flat cream soda. <laughs> but no, I'm not. It is, actually. That is a really good <laughs> definition of this vodka I'm from ass- the taste standpoint. Yeah, I'm kind of assuming that um, it, it's meant to be, I, th- I think it said on the bottle, it's meant to be enjoyed this, like, just sure, straight. Blended mix. or neat. So you don't really, you don't need so to can, screw all this or. Yeah, no. I'm sure. Or put any uh, mixers Very in smooth. It. Yeah. I think whatever you add, the flavor, whatever flavor you add to it, it's obviously going to taste like that. So, 
Hmm. That could get you in trouble. Interesting. Pretty quickly. Well, here's my transition. You know, it wasn't smooth. Let's talk about 2020 as a review. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we decided to take a 51 distilled to see if it's any improvement over 2020. What, <laughs> and what? hit the vodka on the rocks early in the year. <laughs> Let's talk to make you forget about 2020. <laughs> What's the joke, though? 2020 just became drinking age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wait to see what happens this year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Goodness. Well, before we get into this year, which uh, let's let's talk about kind of a year in review from a real estate perspective. Um, by this time, probably many of you guys that are listening in, in real estate have had time to kind of review, get your numbers together, whether you're working on tax stuff, if you're a broker owner, or if you're just an agent and you're just kind of going over your metrics for the year and you can actually, you know, accumulate all um, your numbers and what you've accomplished for 2020. I know that's what I've been doing for the last couple of days. I don't know if you guys do that um, as much towards the end of December, beginning of January, but it it was better than it felt. That's that's what I'm walking away with. Like when I actually look at the numbers, real estate was good. I yeah. mean, I mean, but the trend nationally is real estate was good for the year. Right. I mean, it was up was like, it like a, a 2004 year as far as sales. Maybe. Oh, I think that might be it, bold. Maybe, well, I don't know though. I, well, different type, different yeah. type of sales. And when I say cumulus data, like I'm looking at my own data, so I haven't really looked at what the national, it'll be interesting to see how 2020 does stack up to like a four or five, six, like in yeah. that range. Right. Uh, Cause that's without the price increase. Yeah. The appreciation. I mean, we, but, but at the same time, I also wonder what it looks like in other certain parts of the country. Like, you know, downtown New York did not have a good year for real estate. No. Right. <laughs> I mean, downtown just, Metro in general. Yeah. yeah. But like us, with the, the, the wave of people moving south seems to be, yeah. you know, definitely propelled. And I think COVID in general propelled people like, I'm going to go where it's warm. Yeah, yeah. Well, people and, as he sits here with a scarf on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not in January weather. Uh, I love it. I love January weather. Um, but with, well, the, you, and you say that people come down south where it's warm. I think there's obviously other macro and, and political factors that, that led our South Carolina market probably to be a little strong, coastal market to be stronger than some others. But even in the metro, both commercial and residential, in the in the in the metro areas, and that's why I meant like it didn't feel like a good year because no. because I think I, I, I you see all the you know you see the news you hear all the all the all the pressures and, and issues going on in COVID and everything throughout the whole year, and it just didn't feel like a great year. Wait. And but numbers wise, it makes I sense. Think I know why. We couldn't party. We couldn't party. Wow. You couldn't celebrate. couldn't celebrate. I think if you were se- if you were celebrating, <laughs> that's part of the action. If you were part of the action, celebrating, you could like if like if people were all like, man, let's get together, let's have a drink, toast the year. Like people weren't doing that this year. So did we right. save a little bit more money, put some more money toward back in our business, maybe a little bit toward I'm retirement, <laughs> maybe to travel in twenty twenty one budget. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it, what's What's weird, and we talked about this on other previous episodes a little bit. When we when we're talking and saying like we didn't, this is yeah. what happened. We didn't party. We didn't do that because, like, I don't feel like that was necessarily we as in this, this area, this room. <laughs> I'm talking about this table. I'm talking. You're talking every, about the back, and that's yeah. why yes, the real estate industry as a whole, or people, you know, Americans, or you know, realtors in America, and like I think I agree with you. I totally agree. Yes, I, it didn't. You didn't have the same interactions, the same abilities to. So if you had a record-setting year and you were in, you know, Pennsylvania, it's not like your firm is getting together to have a big, you know, blowout bash and like, oh, man, yeah, that that didn't happen this year because of 
COVID. Right? Yeah, so even though yeah, if you, even if you exactly. did have that and you had that success, you didn't get the feel the success like you would in a non-COVID year. Yes. Yeah. yes. Mine certainly had a record year, but it had its ups and downs. I had a record first quarter, almost a non-existent second quarter, and then it just exploded. June, mm-hmm. July, August, through the end of the year, it was just strong. And I think that that was part of it for me as well. Is we did have shutdown now affected our rental company a little bit more than our sales, at least in South Carolina, being able to to still continue with real estate being essential and all that kind of thing. So yeah. so agents were still able to sell. Like our spring wasn't that bad when I'm looking at like our real estate sales, but because our rental company was shut down, it felt and, and stuff was shut down in general. Like you said, it just didn't feel like you didn't have the the, the interaction. Even think about showings. Like I wonder. When I would go show some property, I was doing video tours yeah. for people and sending it to them or showing on FaceTime. So I wasn't even interacting with people. So it didn't right. feel that normalcy. So I noticed, though, it's interesting. This be, I want to say the last quarter, but actually went probably into September. Um, it wasn't, you said it was strong, like go. It wasn't that way in my firm. Mm-hmm. Um, like third quarter, fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, and I think it has to do with the, the – specifically, and I'm surprised you're saying that, but it may, you may be selling other product. The ocean front market for condos here locally mm-hmm. was not strong in those quarters. Now, I think it has since that – I think over the last 30 days, we're sitting mm-hmm. here on, what, the 7th of – I think over the last 30 days, it's started to pick up. I would go for on the north end, maybe a little bit more 45 days because I've noticed inventory, even sold a a couple under contract, that Thanksgiving on started feeling, I don't know whether confidence boost or whatever for like we're looking for the projected vacation rental market or or, or just low inventory allowed for. Well, no, there was high inventory. Like I know of all the north. I'm talking all north end. So I was like two resorts I know of that we would know well. Down, like the inventory is thirty percent lower because stuff finally started to break and sell mm-hmm. in the last 30, 45 days from when it was 30, 45 days ago. Okay, and and they are high investor, high rental driven. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, with vaccine people believe in we're going to have a more normal summer because mm-hmm. now investors are starting to move in their pocket open and say, let's go yeah. buy some units. I have some other investors, you know, to kind of take advantage of the fact mm-hmm. that the rental revenues were down. And uh, of course, naturally, you're going to have some sellers say, "Hey, I'm just going—I I just can't afford to hold on to it. Let me let it go." And, and likely, um, I had investors in, interested in particular unit types or price ranges where someone would call me to sell. You know, I put to get a, a deal together without any hiccups. So let me ask you this: Did you sell more in dollar volume this year than 2019? Probably. Probably more in dollar value, and uh, a lot more in uh, unit types. And you, like, so you know, you were more diversified in the yeah. type of units. You're so was the small units going instead of the larger units? Mm-hmm. Inventory seemed to grow in the North Tower, which saw three bedrooms. There was twenty-seven listings in typical. It was about fifteen to sixteen listings. So those went stale a little bit, and everyone was going after the smaller units. Yeah. But those always have you know the natural fluctuations. Now, Chris, were you up? For 2019, uh, year over year, yes. So gross, you know, sales volume. Um, we were tra- transactions weren't that much different because of our increase in prices in our area. You know, I think year over year also lend it to higher. So we were up, but we were down in transactions. Okay. So so wow. same. So, I mean, I'm trying to read that good transaction. Yeah, same same like like price. Like, yeah, it was definitely we were up in volume, down in transactions. Um, but. 
I think that speaks to what's going on. Right. I mean, I can tell. I mean, I did I did a, a transaction in the same building in 2019 as in 2020, like literally the same building, and it was a twenty five thousand dollar difference. So I mean, yeah, right. you know, we're seeing I, I know it's happening. New construction, you know. Yeah. Uh, Pulte, for example, I talked to one of their agents. They said the houses that were selling last year for two fifty, same identical floor plan, three fifty. Wow. So I don't know. Well, I don't know if that they were just. Well, I have her. Or, I have her stats up, and it's interesting you say that about new construction because the number four real estate firm in our area was Dr. Horton. Agents. They open houses. They are just, and you know, there is no resales in their numbers. So yeah, yeah so they, they were literally, especially that first six to eight months. Oh my gosh! I mean, off the shelf was closing and stuff yeah. like that. I'm talking to a couple of their agents, and um, they are just. And just Lennar was 15. Pulte was 17. I mean, there's your new new homes I hope right there. On-site agents are investing back into. Yeah, <laughs> I would say about 60 to 65 percent of our sales was new construction. Now, let's dollar volume wise. Now, I want to switch gear a little bit. Do you guys ever pay attention to our our kind of market demographics for agents here? Which I would be interested if our listeners. Um, because when I go, like if you've been to real estate conferences or that kind of thing, and you see these like rock star agents in different areas of the country and like what they're doing transaction or volume wise, um, have you guys ever paid attention to like our agents, our 4,000 agents and kind of what the transaction numbers are year over year? Yeah, well, it's always going to be that 80-20 rule. A lot, a lot of 80-20. 20% of the people are doing 80% of the sales. Um, we've got what, eight, 900 new agents that entered our market in 2020. Yeah, nice. so <laughs> we're, we're from about thirty three to thirty three hundred to four thousand coming. Uh, yeah, four, just about forty three, forty four. Yeah, and of course, no. So if you look at that, I was looking. Um, uh, I was looking yesterday, and I found it interesting that if you if you just had one sale in this market for twenty twenty, <laughs> part of the fifty percenters, <laughs> one sale, you were already. In the top seventy-five percent, that means a quarter of our market didn't have one sale. A quarter of our agents. Now we have a lot, you know, diversified yeah. agents. We have people right. that are retired. They're, they're not Absolutely. really working. They're not trying. They just kind of have a license active or that kind of stuff. But but active, you know, uh, CCAR members about twenty-five percent that, that didn't have a recorded sale with it. If you were, if you did three and a half transactions, you were already in the top fifty percent. Wow. So three and a half transactions, wow. you already in the top. So a quick glance at our top agents in our area. It's interesting though. I don't like the way they do this in our statistical reporting in the sense of you have to get to the 11th highest agent to I, to I see somebody that I would consider not a team. Oh, sure. No. Yeah. No, they, yeah, they don't separate that. They don't out. separate it out. Then I, w- I really wish they did because... No. But, yeah. but that's interesting to me because what I've noticed when I was re- doing the analytics is when I look at agents just in our market that that we have skewed because of 2020 being a good year, the amount of agents that did a higher volume um, than normal. How would I say this? Basically, last year, if you were doing somewhere over four, close to five million or more. It was more like top twelve percent this year. If you were at four million, you're top fifteen percent. Wow! So, so there was a lot Definitely more volume done movement of agents with sales um, that allowed those averages to kind of spread a little bit more than normal. Hmm. Um, so I've seen over the years. So that's cool. But 
I know when we say four or five million gross sales and we talk about our market versus, you know, different metro markets and that kind of stuff, that they're like, and they're already in the top 15% of that, I mean, that could be the bottom 30% (laughs) in a a couple markets that may be listening to us. So that's always fascinating to me, uh, the difference between what's a top agent in Myrtle Beach area versus maybe what's a top agent in, you know, metro Chicago or California. But then there's also the reverse. Well, I mean, we have a lot of agents in our market that do more than an entire MLS elsewhere. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so is it updated in, in your stats what the average sales price is for a single family? Or do you guys recall? I, did, I was just I looking at agent sales stats, yeah. but um, I mean, like the last I see 230. Well, I was going to say at least it, I think it's moving closer to that 250 mark. Because remember, it was at 226 for most of 2019 yeah, right. in our MLS system. That's what I recall, 230. What I usually try to pull, you know, a lot of times what I've noticed is that when people ask me about that, like in your market, we know and we talk about it on the show so much how different the North Myrtle Beach, the Myrtle Beach, like inland, yeah. like how different the markets are. So I usually pull yeah, that yeah. stat very localized. Can you do it by county maybe? You know, Ori or combine Ori and Georgia. You can do Ori County. And I think essentially. When, when CCR reports, when our association reports those numbers, they kind of think they do break it down, I think, by Brunswick, um, yeah. Ori and Georgetown County. And I think with our new CRS data, we can do it by neighborhood, county, city. You know, it's very elaborate. Yeah. The, and I, I think we'll see the year over year is everything being up. The crazy thing is I, I got the top 100 here. Dude, back to I, agents. We're talking about agents. Yeah, agents. I bet you 50% of the top 100 are teams. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. If you really think about it, that's definitely and, – and, you know, I think we've spoken about this on a previous episode. It really speaks to a lot of things. The real estate industry as a whole and specifically our um, local – or our state boards and our state um, LLR is looking at when it comes to – Team advertising versus brokerage advertising, the legal issues. Uh, Make sure you're not mistaken. Yeah. And, and, and I think if teams continue to grow, you're going to see more and more issues revolve around that. Mm-hmm. So if you want a prediction for 2021 from Nick, there you go. Yeah, I think right. that I continue think, to grow. That's and always been a big issue. I, re- I remember, I think, the, the beginning of 2020, we had a brokers or a brokers in charge meeting. And that was one of the hot topics. Um, how to protect your teams within your brokerage from doing and advertising illegally, which yeah. you know includes not including the broker's name or the company name. Right. But what's going to be interesting, South Carolina is a protected state in this and the fact that for the broker in charge, which all three of us are, all the agents under us are our liability mm-hmm. as the broker in charge. So if you're in a state that has teams where that's not the case, per se North Carolina mm-hmm. or someplace like that, it starts to become interesting when somebody represents himself as a team as who is ultimately liable if you end up in a lawsuit or you end up in an ethics hearing or you end up yeah. is it the team the entire team is it the team leader or is it the individual that might have made a mistake gotcha gotcha yeah and I mean to start simply I would like what you kind of said at the beginning those, those stats might be a suggestion we do with CCAR mm-hmm. is to separate teams from individuals when they're when they're reporting on volume or at least make it a searchable thing that we can separate out if something's yeah. classified as a team versus search alright well you, you said you made a bold prediction for it but what are we looking at? what are we taking away from 2020 as we carry into 2021 nothing we just talked about how great of a sales year it was. Are we carrying that at least? Are well, we carrying our sales? Take, so, take your practices and uh, 
waste well, waste the memories away. <laughs> well, okay, locally, yes. I mean, there are trends of people moving here. We're going to continue to have a strong real estate market um, as long as interest rates stay low. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. You're going to continue that overall trend of people moving south. I mean, we are going to continue to have a. That's but that, if you really say what 2021 is going to be a continuation of 2020, unless there is a force that changes it. And yeah, force like a that macro force. A macro force would be a yeah. significant increase in real interest rates or mm-hmm. some sort of economy crash. Yeah. Crazy. Or some type of hurricane that just wipes us off the coast. Or Which probably didn't happen in the first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first two quarters are going to rock. That's about September, October. <laughs> you got a shot at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. like the stock market. Yeah, it's any, nice. any final thoughts going on? Uh, I tend to agree with Nick. I think we're going to have a strong, at least first couple quarters. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we've got a new president, so things could change as far as policies. But um, I don't see the interest rates going up. I do continue to see the the movement from the Midwest, Northeast, retiring, moving down here. That's and interesting what he said, that you don't see interest rates going up. Yeah. I was actually watching CNBC this morning, and one of the hedge fund guys says he thinks 2021 is going to be one of the worst years in history for the bond market. And expects the ten year, which has been under one percent, to finish the year at two. Okay, which is for a our double. Listeners that don't understand that, so I'll tell you, like, yeah, that, that shit. That the ten year rate is what they set most mortgage rates off of. Right, right but even so. when it was um, a zero bond market, yeah, uh, they were still having three and four percent, and that was just to slow down the applicants, yeah. as far as I understand. So, I but think now that it's a two, it's, it's going to cut into the profits at the bank level. Well, but the three to. F- but you got to think the mortgage rates are set off that. So, like, if we're yeah. high threes right now, floating around four, depending on credit if score, or mid threes, what happened? You, you might have to be convincing your buyer that five and a quarter is not a bad rate. Like, right. that's yeah, depending on the age of that, that your client, um, yeah. I'm sure they've seen interest rates 13, 14, 15. So, anything under five, hell, anything under six. I was going to say, if we keep incredibly, so don't worry about millennial buyers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Don't worry about millennial buyers. millennial buyers don't study the rates and so you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Just so used to, what do you mean? Interest rates can go to nine. Well, like, interest, I think a, a lot of millennials are uh, renting because they can't really settle down anywhere. They're just kind of nomadic and jumping around. That sounds like a different topic. So anyway, I'm going to go, my, my, one of my bold predictions, or not bold predictions, anyway, but just I'm, I'm going to vary, yeah, just a little bit, because I do think, I do think inventory is going to go a lot, will become a little bit more rampant this year in our local area that should keep the prices, the price increases that we've seen at the rate that they have been for the last, like, 36 months. I think it might slow down a little bit in 2021. I think What's we should have the drive of that? Um, at the moment, phone calls I'm getting is from inventory, and we don't have as much inventory. And I think people are seeing that the price. So if they can make a premium on their property, I think people are going to start letting it go, especially with the volatile on the macro. So you network. think inventory is going to increase? I think inventory is going to increase. Okay. More people are going to jump into the market to put their property up to try and take advantage of prices that they feel like. See, I actually believe the same thing, but I actually believe what now that we're going to have some stabil- economic stability with the virus, I think the builders are going to overbuild and that will drive the inventory up. Okay. So I agree with your statement. I just think the I'm, purpose of how it's getting there is slightly different. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm not sure on the builder thing because of manufacturing and how, how all that's going to go and the length of time it would take to actually get that 
inventory out there on days. the market. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the builder I, I, I've <laughs> talked to a couple of builders. It's it's not as some of them are thirty. Yeah, but that's because their supply chain got disrupted. But that's not supply chains are coming back though. That's what they, I'm saying. But like, they I don't know if they're coming back as quick as they think. Anyway, what was the second thing? Oh, but speaking of that, if if cons- consumer confidence and COVID, I'm hoping our rental market. I think our rental market should bounce back yeah, for I'm, 2021. Hopefully, I, I in expect, our area, locally, I expect. Confidence in vaccines, confidence yeah. in how to manage the virus in the sense of, and the confidence in what we learned about the vaccine this in 2020. One thing big we learned is when people were summertime, they were outside, rates of infection dropped. Everybody's like, oh, it was shutdowns. I actually don't believe that. I believe just because people weren't gathered indoors as much is why the rate of infection dropped. Now that everybody's cold and everybody's gathering indoors, you're seeing the rate of infection back rise. If you can get the news to promote that, that'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) The influenza flu is pretty much at a 0% this year, which is very positive. Mm -hmm. I I like Bill. (laughs) Positivity 2021. That's the theme. Positivity. Cheers. Cheers. Happy 2021. Keep it classy. Still. (laughs) Now last time.